0: greetings australia welcome to the stand up australia podcast stand up sits down with A contrarian conversation rebutting the mainstream narrative each week we discuss and deconstruct the most relevant news stories in australia and around the world you may have missed during the past week and we separate the bs and propaganda so you can make better decisions about which way you want to go politically and personally so today on the show more taxes for victorians as tim Pallas attempts to fix the spiraling debt WA mother has son taken away from her for wanting a second opinion after leukemia diagnosis. Liberal supporters walk out on John Pesuto in protest of his banishment of Liberal MP Maura And last of all, sweeping censorship laws dressed in drag set to be introduced to all parts of the world simultaneously. So we're joined again by Peter Harris this week. How you going, Pete? In there in your car, driving around the beach? Good Mitch.
1: Yep, hanging around with my finger over the camera. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah going well mate going well fantastic and um what's going on at stand up at the moment well we're coming to the end of our um financial well-being theme that we've been running and we've had some great webinars and sessions with a range of speakers um that's going to we've got an, another session coming up um, in the next few days and over the next week, I think in in relation to um, how to, how to beat the banks and 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 borrow money for property and how to refinance if you're coming off a fixed loan and all of those sort of things um, and talking about what's likely to happen in the market. I mean, the the market. Um, you know, I've been looking at uh, property markets for thirty years, and I see. I see no other sign in the market other than it's going to boom again. Um, And I think that people um, should really think about um, what they're investing in. Um, I think property is a hard asset which you can touch and feel and you can pretty much be in control of. If there is a a reset, a a change in the system, um, property I think is one of the best assets that you can hold regardless of what happens around the world. Um, and so, we've got that and then we've got a roundtable coming up, a financial roundtable to talk about um, what do you do in, in these times and um, yeah, what are the right decisions to make for you and your family. Um So, uh, yeah, so there's a whole lot of things uh, going on. And then we're flowing into um, a a session or two next month on looking after your pets. Um, (laughs) So, uh, um, you know, pet well-being. And it's true that we, you know, we're concerned about the well-being of our families and all the different things going on, um, around the world and how that impacts them, but also pets are affected by a lot of things. And so we're going to have a couple of discussions about pets and, uh, vaccine choice. Australia is gearing up for, um, a launch of the inform me series, looking at the whole, um, series of childhood vaccines with experts from around the world. So, um, they're really doing a lot of work around that. And, um, I think that that's going to um, be very um, revealing um, uh, once uh, we get some really uh, top-level people speaking on those issues.
0: Definitely very relevant now as well. There'd be a lot, a lot of people, I reckon, who would have come onto our platform probably in the past being like, I believe that vaccines are great. Not trying to tell anybody what to think, but I think a lot of people would be thinking the opposite right now, or at least doubting what they believe. So, yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. That's going to be a great, a great little series we've got coming up. And if you want to get onto the webinars that Pete was just talking about, just go to the the show notes here. We've got a little link here um, for, to our webinars. We can just go to standupnowaustralia.com and um, .au, sorry, and
1: click on the links there. Yeah, that'll that'll tell you everything, and you know I think um, uh, it's it's going to be you know our job at Stand Up Australia is to inform, empower, uh, connect, and activate people. So everything we do is around those four elements. And um, if you if you want to get informed, empowered, uh, connected with your local community, and um, and activated in some way, as as you know you'll hear even in this session today, I'm sure. What Mitch has got planned is um, you know, things that you should be concerned about and you should be informed about and you should be activated about.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've had it, we've had quite a few stories to choose from this week. Um I've just chosen the most relevant ones this week because uh, you know, some of them we've spoken about, but um
1: yeah, we might as well get into the first one, eh? Sure. All right. So it feels, it always feels like a quiz when you do this. (laughs) But you sometimes, I sit here and wonder, will I know anything about this topic? (laughs) Funnily enough, you always
0: do. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one here, you'll know a lot about because it's about the Victorian budget. So the Victorian budget is, uh, Tim Pallas has just released this today. This is on the, sorry, yesterday, the 22nd of May. Uh, This is an article from The Age. And I'm just going to share my screen so that everybody can see.
1: Okay, so can you see that? Yeah, I can. I can see that. It's it, it's complete media misrepresentation because it's not the Victorian budget, it's, a, it's Victorian shambles. <laughs> it's, it's um,
0: a, it certainly is. I mean, it's, it's a shambles and people have been expecting this to come. Um, but Victorians are expected to face new tax measures and lengthy infrastructure delays as Treasurer Tim Pallas begins the task of repairing the state's finances and paying down skyrocketing debt. Pre- uh, Deputy Premier Senator Allen warned on Monday that the time had come to start balancing the books, with the government vowing to deliver a $1 billion surplus within three years, $100 million higher than forecast in the pre election budget. The figure is predict- predicted to grow to $1.2 billion in the year after. So this, he sort of put forward that they're going to be taxing big businesses um, and property so now we were just talking about property off off air and you just mentioned it then as well so um what do you think this is going to do to the state as far as you know investment for businesses and um development development and all sorts of stuff like that
1: uh well I i think um you know you look at it pragmatically and people might say well people will just suck it up. Well, I think people are getting sick of sucking it up, um, particularly in Victoria. Um, and, um, you know, how about Dan Andrews gets rid of his 500 strong personal staff that's been reported in the media, uh, for, for starters, so um, he can demonstrate some personal sacrifice that he's making to make the budget right that he and Tim destroyed Um no, no one else has done this. So the guy that wrecked the budget is now repairing it and he's not really repairing it. He's just stealing more money off Victorians. And um, the people that pay a big business, and big business should pay, I think, a differentiated tax because um, they they have an advantage over small business. Um, and um, and he's also um, going to um, charge more taxes on on. Property investors, developers, and the like. Well, it's becoming pretty unaffordable to develop or to buy property in Victoria as it stands. And um, at some at some point, uh, as they did during the lockdowns, people leave. Um, and guess what? It makes uh, the the budget deficit greater because you've got less contributors to the economy. So this is this is like. Um, This is like a cost-centred controller um, implementing all of their uh, cost changes and increasing revenue without consideration or concern of the consumer, the customer. And the customer ultimately just walks away because they're not getting what they want anymore. Um, and, And this is a big, big problem for Victoria. People have shown a propensity to leave this state because of the actions of these of these guys, so Dan and Tim. And and, I'm one of them. <laughs> and you're one of them, and I am I know many others. Um, and and um, that's going to continue. The exodus is going to continue and the contributors to state funds is going to diminish further and they're going to get into more hot water. So they just actually need to start thinking creatively. And by the way, this is at a time don't forget this budget has hit complete shambles so this state has fallen into total financial disarray during a record period of employment during record profits and i would actually say gouging by corporations on the consumer you know we we hear about inflation and um and and what we are seeing is record corporate receipts into the tax office. So um, what corporates have done is they've gouged consumers with higher prices, blaming lockdowns and supply chain issues. But the truth is now known, is that they've just been putting up their prices and gouging consumers. Um, and, And so this Victorian budget has collapsed amidst record revenues, record receipts, Um, and you can't keep thrashing uh, property developers, you can't keep thrashing property investors, the small guys, um, for every time your budget falls into disarray, and it seems a regular occurrence in Victoria. So I think that um, what this leads to is a larger exodus from Victoria, less investment in Victoria, Um, And Victoria contracts um, its degree of influence in Australia because it's been led by cost-driven people who only can use their creative capacity when they overspend to think about just taxing the consumer more. That's what it is. And you and I both know that an increase in taxes against big business is an increase in taxes to the consumers that use those business businesses. Yes. Yeah. So it's always the end consumer that pays for the the um, indulgences of the likes of Dan Andrews and 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 the Treasurer Tim Palaszczuk, and and all these other guys that uh, willingly spend taxpayer funds without due care and without consideration, they always come back to the consumer for more. And this this just highlights the thing that I've said previously. Sooner or later, the consumer will revolt. And I can tell you now, there are lawyers out there, there are all sorts of people out there making plans to actually um, remove themselves from this system legally Because this system actually is broken, this system is not lawful, and uh, people are beginning to question very, very widely about the legitimacy of government in Victoria and Australia, for that matter.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do you mean by removing themselves legally from the
1: system? Well, you know, they're they're a group setting up um, with their own property registries. Yeah. Who said we have to be part of the Victorian Government State Revenue Office um, Property Registry? Um, what, where, where did they get the authority to set that up? Whose authority do they stand on? And, and I'm, I'm not trying to be too radical here, but what they've actually done, um, in, what they're doing in state governments is selling off the LTOs that are profit-driven machines. They're selling them off to private operators and they're selling off the revenues that taxpayers pay. They're making a profit on the money they take from taxpayers. They're, they're taking their capital gain and pocketing it, and they'll still get their their royalties and so on. But I never agreed to that as a property owner. You know, the fight, the fight is starting, Mitch. This the collapse of this system is starting because greedy people. In elite positions are abusing the people, and and people aren't going to tolerate it. Yeah, well, it's the end of the Roman Empire again, isn't it? Yep. And the Roman Empire, like every other empire, ends, and and it all changes. And um, this is no different to what Ray Dalio, the economic historian from America, the multi billionaire, has said historically: when value gaps emerge, when um, um, uh, gaps in earnings emerge when uh, all these different things begin to come to the fore, um, the people revolt, the people just say no more, we're not doing it, stick your system. And um, that's, that's, you know, in my mind, um, uh, people will tell the Victorian government to stick their system by initially leaving, but sooner or later it will come to a collapse,
0: yeah, yeah, it's certainly when that happens when the cost of living crisis gets to a point where it it's really starts affecting the people that didn't used to. Um,
1: yeah. Well, three, three, you know, Stephen Smith um, from Deloitte Economics um, recently said that three hundred thousand Australian families can are not under mortgage stress. They have got less income than they have expenses. Yeah. Now, that, that creates a contagion throughout the entire economy. And look, the government has, uh, the federal government has, um, has presented a, a budget surplus off, um, you know, Deloitte Economics calls it tailwinds off the economy. You know, record prices for commodities, um, record corporate profits, record individuals paying tax because employment is so low. Uh, record income into property because you've got a less than 1% revenue uh, vacancy rate around the country. You know, everything is running at full gear and that's how they created a surplus. But this hides the billions and trillions of dollars of wastage that we have seen and we're going to see if the people don't stand up against it.
0: Oh man, it's it's just, it, it always blows my mind how corrupt the system is every time I hear you talk about it and it just brings
1: up more and more stuff and you're just like, oh my God, where do you start? Well, but- you start by replacing the system, I think. I think that's the only thing you can do and there are clever people out there uh, doing some really good work in that respect and I think that, um, you know, I'm I'm not an anti-system person But I'm bloody angry with the way they're treating um, uh, the consumers and and taxpayers, and I'm bloody angry the way they're leaving our country very, very vulnerable to foreign interests. Um, So, you know, it's great to spend billions and trillions of dollars on on nuclear submarines and put the Premier of South Australia on the front page of the newspaper here with the ambassador of the US, um, Kennedy, and... um, and say, you know, how well we are working together. But what about fuel? What about the fuel we don't refine anymore? And what about um, the ships that bring in our fuel? And what about the two to three weeks worth of fuel reserves that we have? Um, And what if they start attacking our fuel reserves? Submarines in 20 years aren't going to do a single thing to help our country sort that problem out.
0: No, no, they're not. And what you're describing as well, is just, it's basically rather than being a government, it's just a corporation there to make profits now, isn't it? Well, it seems that way. I've got no problem with with a government, traditional government, where it's there for the people, essentially run by the people, but now it's it's treated as a career, a job, a place to get fat and wealthy
1: rather than what it should be. Mm. Well, that's right. And and, and it's always at the expense of the consumer. Like These new um, newfangled, um, privatised LTOs are fiddling with the words on our titles. Um, and uh, what does that mean for property owners? And I'd encourage people to go and listen to the webinar and the supplementary question time that we, I did on the weekend with Michael O'Brien, who's been challenging the government on property law issues for 25 years i mean it's worth it's worth going back and listening to that um you can get that off the stand up australia website um but there is um there is so much corruption so many problems um and you can unravel it but um we shouldn't have to we shouldn't the consumer the taxpayer um the citizens of our country um have got rights that have been ignored yep. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hope that um comes to a
0: you know just comes into the public focus a bit more in the next, you know, hopefully very shortly in the next couple mm. of years and we can start to make those changes. You know, the the debt's spiraling out federally as well. We're looking at one trillion dollars in the next two years. So um, you know, it's not just Victoria that's struggling, it's the whole country. Uh Victoria the most by the looks of it. But um, yeah.
1: Well, in in respect to our debt federally, um, you know, in comparison to other countries, um, we are not indebted anywhere like other countries are. Um, So um, that that paves the way for further government spending, because it seems to me that it's quite acceptable for countries to have debt greater than their GDP. Australia, if you remember, just a few years ago um, had cleared its debt um, and we're back into a trillion dollars worth of debt. And a lot of that was generated because of crazy lockdowns that weren't based in any semblance of logic or uh, evidence that they would help. Um, and um, and so we're increasing our debt, which is, is not a good thing unless the debt is going to serve the country by producing higher levels of productivity so you know it's, it's like anything I, I remember saying to one of my kids um uh, I bought them new tennis rackets um some years ago and I asked them. I said is this tennis racket an asset or a liability and um and what my my, my second son said to me he said, "Well, Dad, in my hands, this, tech, this racket is a liability. In my brother's hands, it's an asset because he was a good player." <laughs> so I said, "That's a good. <laughs> that, that that's a, that's a good fundamental economic um, uh, analysis. Is are we getting into debt for to create further liability, or are we getting into debt to produce assets that create productivity? And it doesn't seem to me that we're creating a lot of productivity at the moment." No,
0: no, it seems like we're just kicking the can down the road right now, you know? Yeah. And going back to the lockdown thing too, like if you were someone, and I, I doubt there's too many people watching this video right now that are were supporters of a lockdown, and maybe you used to be, but um, if you were a, a supporter of the lockdowns and you were all for the COVID tyranny, then you've got absolutely no business complaining about the new taxes that are being introduced because you voted for it. You know, I don't give a shit if you did if you vo- didn't vote for Dan Andrews, but if you voted for if you were, didn't have a problem with those lockdowns, you voted for these tax hikes. You voted for what the government's
1: doing right now. Yeah, and and the the lockdowns have created not only significant debt and printing of money that devalues our assets, um, but it's also created the opportunity for corporations to gouge the consumer. Under the guise of supply chain challenges, <laughs> so yep. you know you, you you do you do one thing wrong and it's got consequences all the way down the pipeline, and uh, and who who pays for it? The consumer, the taxpayer.
0: Yep, yep. Had an interesting chat. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this before on this on this podcast, but I had an interesting chat with someone who works at the refinery up here in in Lytton, in Brisbane. And he's, I was saying, oh, so what's going on with the, uh, you know, the gas and stuff? He goes, oh, mate, we've got heaps, we've got heaps and heaps of it. We're just holding it because of, uh, because we can, basically. yeah, because because we lost so much business over the pandemic. Now we're just jacking the prices up, and everybody yeah. has to, you know, grin
1: and bear it. And and that that's what the you know the cartels did. They they um they pump their prices up by holding on to oil, and when uh, western countries began to unlock the reserves from shale oil which was a lot more affordable they brought their prices down underneath the shale oil price so all the shale oil producers went broke yeah i mean this you know these are artificial um systems and these are the things that anger consumers and taxpayers because um you know, I was driving along the other day and someone said, Oh, fuel's a bit cheaper. I said, No, fuel's still bloody expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get used <laughs> you know, to a new
0: normal, don't you? And then you're yeah.
1: like, oh, it's under two No, no. No, don't 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 uh, mistake the fact that you're still getting gouged on fuel. Yeah. <laughs> and the government's still taking a massive excise of it. Yeah.
0: Oh, Jesus. Oh well, let's get on to our next story, shall we?
1: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I get riled. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: riled me up at the, right at the start too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, this story is not going to um, ease that riled up feeling of GOPs by any means. Uh, this is from the WA Today. So, Perth mum told young son has leukemia, loses parental rights the next day. So, I haven't seen any. I tried to find a video on this as well just to see anybody talking about it, just to sort of verify what's going on. But I couldn't find anything else. So, Take it as it is at the moment. Um, But the story goes like this. 24 hours after hearing her six-year-old son likely had leukemia, a Perth mother was told he was being removed from her care. Uh, I'm just going to share the screen again. So it's a scenario the single mum of two said was a living nightmare that began after a GP visit in January when she saw blood in her son's stool, asked for a test uh, to rule out anything serious. She was told to go to hospital. Jenny said a meeting with an oncologist at Perth's Children's Hospital two days later turned argumentative. We asked for test results but weren't given anything. We'd seen no paperwork. They just uh, took us into a little room and explained that he probably got leukemia and this is what the treatment is. I said I wanted a second opinion. I wanted to explore my options and maybe take him home for a few days before he starts any treatment. Department of Communities documents stated the mother allowed fluids and medications to be given to her son but asked to take him home for the night and bring him back the following day for a bone marrow sample to be taken. The hospital would not allow this, warning there was a high risk of sepsis if he got an infection outside hospital. So she disputed the claims um, and she told staff she would refuse chemotherapy and instead treat him homeopathically. So so that she disputed those claims. Sorry, that she'd uh, treat him homeopathically. So not not long after that, she a red flag was raised um, about her to the Department of Child Protection. If James were was removed from the hospital, telling her he could get an infection and be dead within sixty minutes. Um, and then, yeah, the. She was locked out of the ward where James was staying, forced to leave the hospital without him. So basically the next day, um, DCP employees um, had the power to take the child into provisional care if the officer suspects on reasonable grounds that there is an immediate and substantial risk to the child's well-being. So after two months in hospital receiving chemotherapy, James was placed in foster care more than an hour's drive from a Hamilton Hill home and enrolled into a new school. So basically here's another example of, um, the, you don't own your children. Government owns them.
1: Well, the government think they own them. Um, the look, there's so much to this story. Um, but the thing that hasn't been mentioned in this story is, the, is how the child's feeling about all this, <laughs> you know, um, uh, the the child has got to be the principal interest here and the child at a time of sickness needs um, uh, his mother. I think it's, uh, it's a boy, isn't it, the child? Um, yeah, James. Yeah, James, sorry. Um, so he needs his mother, he needs his family around him and he needs the love of the mother around him and this this mother obviously loves her son and um, I, don't, I don't know the whole story here. Um, all, all I know is what, I'm, what you read. And um, um, I don't know all the circumstances around the story. I don't know um, what's happened here. But a child should never be removed from its, its birth parent um, when um, that child is going through a difficult time and needs his mother. Um, it's, it seems like a bizarre story to me and seems like a system that's gone wrong. Um, the system is designed to um, – uh, well, it should be designed to preserve and protect families, um, not just individuals. And, um, and I think that the, uh, the story just sounds like a very, very extreme scenario. And why, why wouldn't a mother this, – this is the problem – with the medical system, um, and this is the problem. And I'll, I'll, I'll relate it back to lockdowns. How dare we question? How dare we question anything? Um, because if we do, we incur the wrath of the people that pretend or say that they know best. Um, and you know, a doctor should be as accountable as anybody else to prove and demonstrate evidence for their opinion from the sounds of it that's all she asked for yeah um yeah it's 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 insane
0: i've actually had a, a not a the same experience but a similar experience when my second son was born in hospital um we actually had a we went to get a home birth but in the end we had to go to the hospital uh, and what happened in there was crazy we had to get a blood test a couple of months beforehand so we did that and they found something called an anti-c, anti-C body um, mm. and it's only an only issue if it, if it if it comes from the father it can do something genetically there so I, I did a bit of research and I was like well I don't have it I got tested I didn't have it so it wasn't a problem so what happened after that is the day after my son was born the doctors came barging into the room said we have to um, give your son a blood test to see if he's got this. And I said, no, nah, that's fine. I've actually I've actually researched it and yeah, it's 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 not a problem because I don't have it, so it's not going to be a problem for him. And they kept at it. No, I really recommend you do it. I said, no, it's not going to happen. So they they did it again. I said, look, I've said no. Now, please leave. So they did. They come back into the room about half an hour later with a team of doctors and start accusing me of, of – you know, not caring about my child and he could die and you know, this would be neglectable, blah, blah, blah. And I I just had to scream at them and tell them to get the F out of the get the F out of the room. Um, which they finally did. So I mean, I was probably lucky not to have my children taken away from me that day mm. too. But the pressure, I didn't feel any pressure to to actually give in to them because I, I knew I was in the right. And I've always had a you know distrust of the medical industry anyway. But a lot of people would have given in to
1: that and yeah, just well, a lot of, exactly, and a lot of people are bullied. Um, the, the reality is that this all, of course, diminishes the trust in the system because um, we don't really know what happened other than the system took a child away from a mother. And we're questioning why, and it doesn't seem logical. Um, So, all of this um, just builds distrust um, between government and the people. And, and, you know, whether it's a budget, whether it's a health decision, whether it's a lockdown, whether it's a virus, whatever it is, the less trust you have in a democracy like Australia, the system collapses. The system here is premised on the trust of the people.
0: Yeah, well, there's not a lot of trust in the medical system anymore, especially after what's happened recently. Um, you know, I find it really interesting in this article too that you know the main concern they have here was that she refused the leukemia treatment, the chemotherapy. So the 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 chemicals that would probably make him yeah. more sick, maybe. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of for and against cancer treatments like that. But in the end, it's her child. She should be able to treat the child any way they want. If she wants to treat the child homeopathically, which she is saying in the article that she is refusing that she said that. Mm. But even, even, even if she does want to
1: treat her child homeopathically, it should be the, the family's choice. Yeah. I, look, I, I think that um, this is a tough one um, because I think that families need to be able to um, make make their own choices. Um You know, I I know of people that have recently been diagnosed with cancer um, and they want to give both systems a go um, (laughs) uh, because they want to give themselves the best chance of survival. Um, And um, I think, you know, the culture of a family is the culture of a family. Um, You know, you hear great stories, you hear miracles of people that um, went down a pathway outside of the system and survived. You also hear disasters um, yep. so I think that, um, there's gotta be balance in everything. Um, we have, we have due responsibility, um, to, um, make the right choices for our kids, whether it be, um, whether they get diabetes cause we fill them full of sugar every day, um, or not, you know, to me, all, all of those decisions have an impact here, um, If someone's living a healthy life and they're wanting to maintain that healthy lifestyle for a child and they're wanting a second opinion, they're entitled to a second opinion. And if the hospital is suddenly of the opinion that the child could die within 60 minutes outside a hospital, um, and by the way, hospitals um, have the most aggressive viruses of anywhere in the world. So, you know, I, I don't see the point of the argument. But you know, you've got a situation where um, uh, there's got to be logic and common sense, and a child needs its mother when it's when it's unwell.
0: Certainly does. Certainly does. Let's hope the the mother gets the child back because it looks like still in foster care, and they want to keep them there for another two years. So
1: hmm.
0: yeah, let's hope that has a happy
1: ending. Well, it'll it, you know the people in WA need to stand up for this family. Um, you know, and look, I'm. I'm a little bit hesitant on this story because I don't know all the details, um, and and you know we we don't trust media that much <laughs> that much in terms of getting an accurate picture. So, you know, on face value, it all seems screwed up.
0: Definitely, certainly does. But let's not take it as gospel right now. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, um, but we should try and find out more and maybe do a follow up um, on the story. Um, and, you know, let's, sorry about that. Let's find out what, you know, um, what the follow up is in this situation.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there'll be more. I know there was a story a few weeks back about the lady that was being withheld treatment because she didn't like a heart transplant because she didn't have a yeah. um, a vaccine. So,
1: and that's. I heard that in New South Wales and I heard that the, yeah. the system came out and said that's not true. I don't know, but. Um, yeah. It is true because some, some of you both know is. Um, Involved in it at the moment, so it's um yeah. Well, I you know there's a lawyer that's working very hard right now, um uh against the Victorian government uh, because his mother died because they refused to operate on her because she refused the vaccine, um and he's now dedicated his entire life to bringing down the Victorian government, um and and in particular. The chief health officer who he blames for all this madness. He's, What's happened during this last few years? There's a lot of angry people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We've got a lot of people after him now, doesn't he, old um the chief health officer? He's he's been yeah. in court a few times lately. So. He has,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> right, well, our next story we've got is about the Liberal Party. Um, the whatever's left of it anyway. So hmm. So, Victorian Liberal leader John Pasuto, booed by more redeeming supporters at state council. So, I just play this clip. You can see um, you can see how actually how old the the supporter base is there, and also shy, what's going on. And.
1: Shame, 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 shame.
0: So there's a bit of a mass walkout there. Um, he's not really winning many friends, John pseudo with this whole thing. And there's, I'm not, I'm sure everybody's up on what happened with her. But she basically, she went to a a rally for women um, against, you know, men being able to just say they're women and start using change rooms and compete in women's sports and all sorts of stuff. Whatever anybody thinks about that, that's fine. But she's allowed her own opinion. And traditionally, that would be something that Liberal Party would be, would get on board, Um, which doesn't seem to be the case anymore. She's been expelled from the party and John Pesudo, Seems to be trying to turn the Liberal Party into more of a, a Labor and Greens Party light version. Um, I'm not sure what your opinion about this is, but I'm sure you've got one considering, you know, your political ties.
1: Um, well, uh, you know, Robert Menzies would be rolling in his grave, wouldn't he? Um, when when you when you really think about it, I mean, um, there's no unity in that party, um, not in the Victorian branch, not in the Australian party. Um, there, there's disparate views and perspectives and different things happening and people jostling for their philosophy to override everybody else's philosophy. Um, and meanwhile, you've got a government who by default won the election. Um, this, this is, um, just the ongoing collapse of the existing political system. Um, and um, whether, whether it's vilification of an individual or vilification of a group or whatever it might be, they seem to um, never be able to make the right decision. And the, the Liberal Party, you know, there are some, there are some people in there um, that uh, have got some good views and uh, like any other group of people. But unfortunately, the overall... Um, trajectory of this party is is um, destruction um, because without unity um, they're going to collapse they're going to fail
0: yeah well they don't, um, have, they don't have a lot of unity and there's not much from um, the leader of the federal level party either listen to this
2: this morning opposition leader peter dutton was questioned about moira deeming's expulsion on abc radio he was asked whether there is a place in the Liberal Party for people who hold similar views to Moira Deeming. Is there a place in the party for people like her? Well, Patricia, as I said to you last
1: time on the court when we spoke, uh, the issues in Victoria uh, are an issue for, for the leader there. I, I think you need to look at individual cases uh, about what people have said and their beliefs and. Uh, and people have people have strong views on on a range of issues, including and sh- gender. Should they be allowed uh, in the party? Well, the, the Liberal Party, uh, like the Labor Party, um, has a broad membership, and I I encourage that. So you know
0: you're not you're not really getting much, are you? From he either knows just nothing about it at all, or he's just too afraid to, to make a stand on anything
1: well, it's the problem all of these politicians really have they just try to keep as many people happy as possible but the um, the the value divides are growing um, and you know this the, this woke agenda and all of these elements that really fly in the face of the historic um, ideology of our country Um uh, causing massive tensions. Um, so, um, we're ruling for minorities rather than ruling for majorities. And, um, I, I don't care what people do. I don't think we should regulate, um, how people want to behave. We've got, we've got various codes of law, um, where people, if someone rips someone off, or if someone treats someone badly or, um, someone does the wrong thing by someone that, you know, they're, they're, they can be prosecuted in, in the courts. Um, but why are we getting involved in all this stuff? Um, and if someone mm-hmm. goes to a rally um, um, to support protesters and they believe in that issue, sure, the party can make the decision whether to expel them or not, but they do so with consequences. And the consequences you can clearly see are division. And if they don't understand that, I mean, that's what Scott Morrison didn't understand. He divided our country. He divided our families. He uh, was a terrible, terrible leader for this country. Um, and um, and division uh, kills uh, organisations. It's destroyed the Liberal Party um, to date. And I don't see the Liberal Party ever forming government again in their current form. Um, and I know there are people in the Liberal Party fighting hard to try and um, um, uh, bring it back to its former glory, but there'll come a point where the people realise it's dead. 35% of the people in Australia at the last federal election realised that both Labor and Liberal were dead. Um, It's not far off a majority, majority, and that number will grow at the next election. Um, and whether it stops either one of them ruling, I'm not sure. But I think that that's what they deserve. They've, they've, they've treated the people of Australia with contempt. They continue to do so. They continue to make these massive decisions that obligate us for generations and, the, and without the people having a say. And, you know, that's since parties began to get involved in the Australian Parliament all those years ago, They've done divisive things that have progressively separated um, the uh, representatives from the people, and uh, and you know the people of Australia need their country back. Uh, it's a wealthy country, um, you know. We've 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 got a massive supply of gold. We could fix a whole lot of currency issues around our our world. Um, these fiat currencies that are, are valueless. Um, and uh, and you know I think that um, we have so much potential to be a major influencer and player around the world, um, yet we get caught in these silly arguments and these silly agendas that uh, mean nothing to the average person.
0: Yeah, they don't mean anything to the average person, and it's it's very silly the Liberal Party is getting s- stuck in that. Because I just watched the thing with um, Catherine Devis or Devies, however you say her name. She's mm. from one from New South Wales that got slammed at the last one, but bas- basically having the same views is more redeeming. Um, mm. And she's saying, you know, it's a massive loss of votes because the majority of people don't give a shit about this sort of stuff. And nobody cares. A, no, nobody cares. So they're making a stand on it and losing votes because of it, just pe- so pe- they can please the
1: media. People care if someone is discriminated against, mm. but people in Australia are pretty egalitarian. We believe that people are entitled to make their own choices. We might not agree with their choices, but we're not a judgmental bunch, by and large. And um, and we we just want to get on with our lives. We want to feed our kids. We want to grow get our kids to grow up nicely. We want to you know that's what the majority want. We don't want all this other um, sideshow um, that is a constant distraction away from the main issues.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And look, this takes us into our last story of the day, too. Um, I mean, as I said last week, I really don't like talking about the whole trans issue, but something popped into my head today, and I realize why this is out in the public now. And we're talking about things that don't matter. I mean, such as this thing here, for some reason, I must have reached my limit of free articles on The Age, so I can only read you the start of it but parliament hosts drag story time for cancelled performance so it's um so this is after a couple of drag i think i've got a no i don't have the story here but in essence what's happened in the last couple of weeks is the drag to, drag story time hour has come to australia particularly melbourne It's whipped up a whole lot of hate uh, between a bunch of our, let's say, right-wing or um, freedom-fighting, you know, allies. Uh, For me, I feel like they're focusing on the wrong thing. I don't agree that you should be taking your children to these things, but are you going to sort of make that the hill you die on? All it's doing at the moment is bringing in the tools for the government to be able to bring in more censorship. And you're seeing it all around the world. So last week we spoke about the censorship laws that are coming in in Ireland under the the guise of hate speech. Now, this is going to be punishable like by up to 10 years in jail, I believe. And all that has to be done is you get accused of something that's hateful You've incited something that could be this podcast, us talking about this, trend, this you know, current issue right now. We get reported, and then it's your duty as an individual to prove that you didn't do it, rather than the opposite, which is the way the traditional uh, system works. So, with what's happening now, we've got all these, these um, you know, freedom fighters, right wingers, whatever you want to call them, going along to these events and protesting going to local council meetings and getting these things cancelled. At the same time, you've got Daniel Andrews, who's now posted one at Parliament for no other reason, I believe, than just to whip up a bit more hate in the, in the freedom movement. You've got Nazis now coming out, which is just all too perfect of a situation. Now you can say it's the Nazis that are doing it. And then you get this story here, which I saw the other day, which is being introduced by the Greens at the moment. So Greens, Labor, clash over speed and scope of anti-vilification reform. The Greens will table a draft law on Monday. They say we'll strengthen protections for transgender Victorians and pressure the Andrews government to expedite an anti-vilification overhaul following the targeting of drag story time events in Melbourne the bill is likely to reignite a debate over the line between free speech and hate speech at a time when Greens and Liberal Party are grappling with these issues within their own ranks. So I hope you're following me here, Pete, um, about what I'm trying to get to. But with these laws that are really coming in, you've just seen another one in the States at the moment, they're going to be setting up a a completely new uh, federal bureau to police the internet under the guise of AI, so they want to go after new tech companies. But in there, they've also put in social media companies. So they're going to be going around policing the internet to see if anything is hateful being said. And if you don't take it down, you'll get a fine or you'll be imprisoned. So we're, we're getting very close to a society right now, and we're not doing anything to help this to go away by overreacting to small things like Drag queen Story Hour. Uh, to, you know, we're all being distracted and funneled into this um, dystopian technocracy.
1: Hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, do you want to go to jail for 10 years over this shit? Seriously. Um, the, you know, as I, as I say to people on all sides of all the fences, if you want to regulate one group, you've got to regulate everybody. Hmm. Otherwise, you're going to have a, a, a community meltdown because there are so many competing views and philosophies and ideologies and beliefs out there. So this is why I'm saying, sorry, I'll try and control my film from now on or my visual, um, but this, this this is why I'm saying we shouldn't be getting involved in this shit. Um, we, you know, um, so... I remember when they were wanting to ban chaplains from schools and all sorts of stuff. Um, so, but now it's okay to take the kids to a drag queen story um, time. You know, I, I think families and, and families and parents in particular need to be charged with the fact that they're responsible and that they're adults and they can exercise some common sense and, um, who, who are the government to control where you take a kid, hmm. um, and why are we even having a discussion about it? I mean, obviously, we don't want to take a kid to something that's going to endanger them, or something that is going to um, be emotionally uh, destructive for them. And 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 parents have got to be responsible for this. So we we're having all these arguments and discussions about all of these. Um, divides in our society rather than the things that can unite us and the real problem here is everybody feels they've got to be right and that they should not be um vilified for what they believe in no matter how crazy their belief gets no matter how crazy um the system allows people to get um we we all have this view that we should be entitled to our own views and um and and I think we've always lived that way. Societies and communities have always lived this this way, but now we're wanting to regulate and control and prosecute people for expressing their views. And, um, you know, look, I understand there are views in a society um, that are destructive and there are other regulations and systems that deal with some of the um, things that might incite crime against people, but for God's sakes, let's get on with stuff that is going to have a significant impact or influence over our world, rather than the side fringe issues that a few people are fighting about. Um, you know, I mean, the, the whole thing, in my estimation, is people should be free to to live their lives the way they want, as long as they're not damaging other people.
0: Yes, and if they do damage other people, we've got laws for that. You know, exactly, we, we've got laws. You get re- you get retribution. You get you get locked up. You know, unfortunately, the world isn't the perfect place. We can't prevent people from being hurt. It's people get hurt, and then it's you know, it's the job of the law to come down on those people, as long as they're just laws. So we can't go around just you know. And what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say here is that as anybody who's listening to this. We don't want to be told what to do by the government. But the last thing we should be doing is going to the government to try and stop other people from doing what they want to do. And even if you don't agree with it, look what's happening now. You know, we're just being distracted by this
1: monstrosity of a situation. Yeah. And look, Ru- Ruby and I, when we were running the stand up tour, We had CEOs of councils shutting down our event and blocking us from hiring their venues because they didn't like our message. And um, when we asked them, well, what is our message? What do you think our message is? They said, well, we don't know, but we don't like it. (laughs) That's vilification. They should go to jail for that, according to all this crap. But you know what? We just took it on the chin and went to another venue. And, and, and really they shouldn't have done what they did. And we, we got them sent quite a few thousand letters um, of complaint and and their communities were in uproar over the fact that the, the council had tried to control messages that the community could hear. But at the end of the day, um, wh- where are we going with all of this? What are we doing? Um, and, and who... It seems to me the people that say they need vilification laws are the ones vilifying everybody.
0: Yeah. 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 I think, I think you're right there. You know, it's, um, I am what you say you are, which is mm. a, a saying that a podcaster, others than two, says all the time. So
1: I look, I think, I think that, um, everyone's entitled to their own opinions and beliefs and, and, and ideals and ideologies and all those sort of things. And as I've said, as long as it doesn't harm another person, then so be it. Um, a lot of people don't like that uh, f- that that level of freedom. But if you try and control X over here, Y over here is going to um, um, jump up and down. So you, you're on a pathway to nowhere. Yeah. I or- I I don't know if I handled that one that well. I. You know, I just get so perplexed by what, what people are trying to achieve here, and you know, a lot of people say it's you know um, trying to control the direction of society and all those sort of things. Well, you know, there are people vying to do that every day of every week in every in every dimension of the world.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think you handled it really well. I mean, I think we come across as very similar views here. You know, if you step out step out of the circle we're in right now and just look look in. And what you see is a government stoking up fire between the left and the right. So they fight against each other and don't pay any attention to what the government's doing. And that's exactly yeah. what this is. And it's not a, it's not that big an issue. It's like the whole trans the whole trans thing is like less than 0.1% of the population. Well, that's the point, isn't it? And we're all fighting over it. Let's just get over it. Like just go, well, oh, if you want to be trans sweet ass. there's going to be some kooks, yeah. there's going to be some crazy people. And, and, who gives a crap about what Bud Light's doing about, you know, who ca- who cares what their sales are like because they've put this transgender Dylan Mulvaney in there, you know, it's, it's all entertaining, but that's what the news has become entertainment mm. for people. Let's mm. step outside that circle, look in and see what's really going on. And I hope that we have been able to express that um, on this podcast this week. It's really hard to do a lot of the time. It's really hard to get across,
1: but yeah, let, let's hope we did. Yeah. Um, well, th- thanks, Mitch. I always uh, enjoy chatting with you and uh, thanks for inviting me back again. And um, yeah, thank you. No worries. We'll
0: uh, chat to you again shortly. And um, yeah. yeah. Take and, uh, take care. Once again, get on to these, these uh, webinars in the next couple of weeks. We've got two in the next couple of weeks. So yes. um, jump onto the website, uh, register for them, uh, drop a small donation and reap the benefits of
1: the knowledge that we're putting out there. Thanks, Mitch. Great job. Appreciate your time. Thank okay. you.
2: The Final straw, which compelled me to challenge the government head on, was discovering that school policies and curriculums had been radically altered to remove almost every child safeguarding standard that we'd had. Primary school children were being subjected to erotic sexual content. Female students no longer had the right to single-sex sports teams, toilets or change rooms. I realised then that my teaching career was over because I simply would not ever do the things that I was being asked to do. I would never ask students to tell the class which sexual experiences they'd had and which they were willing to do. I would never tell girls to bind their breasts. I would never accuse gay students of being transphobic. I would never tell my female students that they had to tolerate a male teacher supervising their change rooms. And I was never ever going to lie to parents about what was going on with their own children at school. But I also knew that if I spoke out, I was going to be vilified and that I'd never work in a public school again. And that is exactly what happened, but so be it. Eventually, I got myself elected as a local government councillor in Melton. Councils are responsible for providing change rooms, toilets and all sorts of domestic violence and women's services. So I asked whether it was legal to provide these single sex services and facilities anymore because biological males could just identify as women. I asked the council officers, they didn't know. I asked the lawyers, they didn't know. I asked every single local government council in Victoria and not a single one of them knew either. But almost all of them knew unequivocally that it was transphobic just to ask. I asked the gender equality commissioner and the LGBTQI commissioner, And all that they could tell me was that some men are women, but you aren't allowed to ask which ones are which because that would be discriminatory. And they also told me that I should encourage any women who were unhappy about this, including religious women and victims of sexual assault, to quote, be more tolerant. I tried to ask the Human Rights Commissioner, but their office told me that I would never ever, ever get a meeting with them. So I asked the Victorian Government Solicitor's Office and they handballed my question to the Attorney-General of Victoria, who has, to this day, failed to answer. And so now, here I am. <laughs>